is Scott Richman, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. In the battle against anti-Semitism and hate, fighting extremists is a key component. ADL Center on Extremism uses many tools to wage this battle, as has been lifted up many times on this podcast. But there are other ways to fight extremists, including through ADL's international affairs team, advocacy, and civil rights work. In this regard, ADL has recently made a very important hire, the woman named Farah Pandith. Her story and what she is doing at ADL are the subject of today's show. So rather than tell you more, I will just welcome Farah to From the Front Lines. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So let's get right to the heart of things. What is your new role at ADL? I'm very honored to be part of ADL. Um, My role is a senior advisor to the national program. We're looking at programs um, across the board nationally, how to build more partnerships, to think about ways to engage communities, uh, to do more to fight anti-Semitism and hate of all kinds, um, to think strategically about um, the direction of travel uh, uh, of organizations at the grassroots. Uh, and I've been really blessed to be able to work with a team of people who have deep experience and commitment um, in a multitude of ways. Uh, these are sort of broad ideas. Maybe uh, if there are any specifics in terms of some projects that you, uh, you think you'll be working on, one of the things that, that ADL has done um, so well is to think about um, other communities across the United States that are doing good work and that allow us to partner um, with them. I've been looking at younger generations, um, Generation Z and Generation Alpha, who are the two generations that are coming up, and thinking how do, how do we re-engage uh, and think differently about how to work with these digital natives in a way that's very contemporary. So that's one demographic that a lot of work has not been done yet, and I'd like to go deeper on that. You know, maybe let's get a little bit into your background. Um, you know, the, you've been brought on to do some uh, very big projects, um, but I want to take a step back. So tell us um, where you've come from. I've had uh, almost 20 years of experience in uh, working for our government in both Republican and Democratic uh, administrations uh, as a political appointee. Uh, I came back into government after 9-11 when I really felt though, uh, like many of us, that there is more that we need to be doing uh, to fight extremist ideology and um, began work um, at the U.S. Agency for International Development, but then went to the National Security Council and the Department of State uh, to do this work, to build relationships with Muslims around the world. And, um, and in that, in those various roles, was, was able to understand the power of um, the grassroots and how important civil society was that government cannot be the only actor who's working on these issues that we need to do more to think about how to amplify voices and good ideas from um, from civil society. So my work has been uh, in the field of fighting extremist ideology since 9-11. Um, my last job in government was a special representative to Muslim communities where 
Um, I traveled all over the world, um, nearly 100 countries, to engage with Muslims under the age of 30, uh, to think about their ideas on how to push back against ideology from groups like uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS, uh, the Taliban, Shabaab, groups that were manipulating Islam uh, for their nefarious ends. In this work, uh, working with the Muslim community, is that something that you're, you're looking to bring to ADL? ADL has really rich um, programs already that that have uh, that have been built on people who have common interests to fight hate, and so this is not new. Um, but I think that there's a new dynamic today uh, in terms of how we're thinking about who's working on things and who have who has ideas. And so young Muslims, for sure, um, both those uh, those in the generations I described, but also those who are sort of social uh, entrepreneurs who are thinking differently about what we need to do in our country. We're facing something that is unprecedented in America today, and it's going to take a lot of different kinds of partnerships across religious spectrums, um, across uh, different heritages and um, perspectives to be able to work on fighting hate together. So I, I'm bringing, you know, two decades of experience in doing this uh, around the world uh, to uh, to an organization today that has already begun this work, but we, we've got to do more as we as we think about what's coming. So let's put a fine point on that. What you're saying is that since 9-11, you've been fighting uh, the threat from extremists overseas, uh, and now you're seeing a bit of a different moment when there's a threat in terms of domestic extremism. So tell us, uh, tell us about that and, and how bad the situation is. When we are thinking about um, the rise of hate uh, in all its forms, including, of course, anti-Semitism, we've seen a distinct difference in the climate uh, of this ideology and how it uh, accelerates uh, both online and offline. And there are lots of reasons for that. But some of the lessons that I've learned overseas about um, bringing an approach to building resilience within a community based on not just advocacy, not just education, not just policies, but everything combined to be able to fortify a community against bad actors who would try to come in and radicalize and recruit um, their next ideological armies. That Those lessons and the techniques that are used for groups that are as variant as neo-Nazis and um, ISIS are not the same. They don't have the same ideology, but they do believe in an us versus them. They do use tactics that are similar. So when you're looking at America today and you're understanding, first of all, that ideology has no borders, what happened in Oslo, for example, made a difference to what happened in New Zealand in Christchurch. Um, we know that, that neo-Nazi groups in Europe are teaching uh, groups in the United States about um, what, how to raise money, how to organize, uh, how to build an approach with marketing uh, to get more people on board, how to use uh, dark corners of the web, but also or you know open uh, open streams of information that are right in front of us to to be able to spread their their horrific uh, ideology and mindset and. So these lessons have been learned. The, the business today is for us to be thinking very carefully uh, about how we use that information that we've learned um, over, over decades about how hate is spread to think very differently about these new generations that are using the online space differently, that are thinking about identity and belonging in different ways. 
uh, and to be ready for action in a very scaled up way um, to build resilience, to put the antibodies in the system that are going to fight anti-Semitism and hate of all kinds. Regular listeners of this podcast will will know that I, I spend time in Buffalo following the, the tragic shooting there at the top supermarket. Uh, and as you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking of that. Uh, and certainly that particular uh, individual who, uh, uh, who perpetrated that crime was, was influenced by many other people around the world, including, including in Christchurch and, and radicalized online. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts maybe on, on that and, and more specifically on social media and the role that social media plays in, uh, in domestic extremism. Yeah, so listen, uh, without, without ideological soldiers, any of these hate groups cannot do the evil work that they're doing. And their business is to build as big an ideological army as they can. Atomwaffen, for example, is going after kids who are as young as seven. That is why Generation Alpha matters. And so when I think about what you talked about in, in Buffalo, and there are dozens, unfortunately, dozens of examples around the world where people are learning from each other, that they're being inspired by people in different parts of the world, we can go back even to, you know, uh, post 9-11 when, when, when we saw the, you know, the Danish cartoon crisis happen, you know, that, that something that happened in, 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 in Denmark um, was making a difference to lives in Kabul, Afghanistan. I mean, nobody understood the connections and how to connect the dots. And unfortunately, today, you know, all these years later, we're seeing multiple effects of somebody being inspired or getting a getting a, a, a video or a tweet that in, uh, puts them in a direction that they want to learn more about uh, sort of a hateful ideology that will move them to to violence and what we have to do today is to not just think about how these how we connect these dots but we need to think about uh, how to make the case for developing community awareness around um, how the online space works, how people get radicalized. There needs to be more digital training, um, digital literacy for not just young people, but for parents as well. Farah, I'm so glad to welcome you to ADL staff and uh, to thank you for lending your talents and experience to this critical fight against extremists. and, uh, And thank you for being on today's show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.